Welcome to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, the podcast for special educators who are looking for personal and professional development. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Reeve. For more than 20 years, I've worn lots of hats in special education, but my real love is helping special educators like you. This podcast will give you tips and ways to implement research-based practices in a practical way in your classroom to make your job easier and more effective. Welcome back to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. I am Chris Reeve, and I'm your host. And today I want to talk about data collection in distance learning. Finding ways to monitor progress in distance learning for special education students is one of the questions that I hear most frequently these days. We usually take data hands-on in the classroom, observing the student directly, and educators usually have control over, to some degree, the environment and conditions under which they're observing those behaviors. But that's not really the case this year uh, if you're doing distance learning because the student's at home and frequently the facilitator is a family member or a caregiver. And so the question I always get is how do we get the data that we need given that we're not there to actually observe the behavior? Now, it's important to monitor progress in distance learning for a variety of reasons. Uh, We definitely do need data for legal reasons. We need it to make our district happy. But more importantly, we need it to guide the decisions about how instruction is conducted. And we need it to know whether or not what we're doing is working. And if it's not working, we need the data to give us information about how to make changes. Data collection is often, I think, the biggest hurdle in any classroom on a good day. With everything that's going on right now, I think many more are struggling with it more than ever. And I hear the strugglers struggling regularly along the lines of statements like the following. If I can't observe the student doing the work, how do I know it was done independently? His parents are having a hard time letting him try things independently, so all the data shows prompting. I got the assignment back, but how do I know if he had help? The families are really already stressed. How do I teach them to take data that I need for monitoring on top of everything else? The IEP requires careful monitoring that I just can't do at a distance and more. So yes, it's difficult to monitor progress in distance learning. And I don't have all the answers to pretty much anything. But I do have some tools and ideas that will definitely help. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about three straightforward ways that you can use to get the information you need for monitoring progress at a distance. I think we have to really think about the information that we really need. And sometimes it's rethinking how we need it and what it might look like. And I've got a free download for you from the resource library that I'll describe more in the rest of the podcast when I talk about it, that will help you be able to get data collection from your families about your students' work. Um, So you can find that and a transcript and any other information uh, from this at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 50. So let's get started. So as I said, I've got three ways that I'm going to share with you some easy, straightforward ways to get the information that you need. It may not be the perfect information, but it will give you some actual information that you can use as data. 
The first is permanent product. And permanent product is sometimes called work product. Um, it is one that I always say, if you can do work product, for heaven's sakes, do work product. It's one of the easiest ways to collect data. So it's when a student completes a physical item that we can look at and analyze in order to get the data. So a worksheet would be something like that. It could also be a Google slide file folder activity that came back. Having the student's work product allows us to see what he did, but the key with work product in distance learning especially, but really across the board, is that we need to know what type of support the student had when they completed it. So for example, if Kai completes a sorting task on Google Slides, and then we check that link, we can look at how many items he sorted correctly and how many he got wrong. So we can get the percentage of correct responses from that but we still don't know really if he did it independently. Did his caregiver help, her, help him? Did someone correct his work when he was finished? So let me stop and address that just for a minute here. Everybody wants to help, and I think we have to look at it that way. Uh, but before we move on, let's talk about this just a little bit, because it is a big issue in distance learning. Part of the concern with data collection in distance education is that we don't know if someone helped the student or corrected his work. But really, this isn't unique to work that's being completed at home in distance learning. It's true with a paraprofessional who's working with a student in a center in the classroom when the teacher's running his or her own center. And many times, we can't observe the paraprofessional's instruction. And I hear from many teachers and have dealt with it myself to know that many times we have a hard time getting our paraprofessionals not to help our students too much. So it's clear that many staff who have training and monitoring don't always realize how much they're helping a student. So let's add being the student's parent. Having a sister with autism, I will be the first to say that we all interact with our family members differently than we do with our students. And there is an emotional overlay and a learned history on both sides that really impacts that interaction. And the same is true for our students' families. So one way to know what type of assistance was given and in what kind of situation is to add some kind of documentation to the product itself. In the classroom, I use stickers with checklists for staff that can be attached to the actual work item. For distance learning, I would want to make sure that I'm using simplified checklists, and I've got an example in the blog post as a picture, instead of using the names of prompts, you know, visual prompting, physical prompting, I really focus more on the ways that typical people talk about helping somebody. He needed lots of help. He did it on his own. He didn't need a lot of help. It's not as exact as knowing our prompting levels. And certainly if our IEPs are specifying our prompting levels, we may need to make some adjustments. But it's often enough to give us the information that we need. I used to use a stamp, but to get the information, all the information on it that I wanted, it ended up being a pretty expensive rubber stamp. So I use stickers that could be printed on the computer. I use usually full page stickers and you can print multiple ones off and I cut them out because it was easier than making sure that they fit within the mailing labels. You can, if you own the 
my Taming the Data Monster book, then you have free access to the tools with that. And one of them is a label that we've used as a stamp and as a sticker, and it actually can be printed on an address label sticker. Um, if you have my instructional data sheets from TPT or my store, then you have several versions of these that get printed on solid sheets of stickers and you can cut them apart. But what if you don't have written paper going back and forth between home and school for digital assessments? You know, if we're thinking about distance learning, we're not thinking about paper going back and forth that we would stick a sticker on. So how can you get the same kind of feedback? It's easy. I have a free download of a Google slide and a PowerPoint slide with an embedded form on it. Copy that slide, paste it into the end of your Google slide activity or your PowerPoint activity, depending on what you're using. Families can then complete the checklist that says what kind of help they gave him and send. And then when you open the Google file or the PowerPoint file, you will then have their assessment of what they did to help. You will still need to coach the family members on how to complete it and make sure that you're both on the same page for what type of help constitutes the different levels that you're using, but it should at least give you some information to compare to other sets of data that you've received to the family. So for instance, you may have a family member that rates everything as he didn't need a lot of help, but when you watch them interact with the student, you're like, I would say that was a lot of help and they may not realize it. So one thing you can do is do some education with them to help them understand what kind of help they're giving. But the other is to look at their ratings of the level of help and compare it to their previous ratings because they're probably somewhat consistent across time. And you can do some checks in your face-to-face video conferencing to see if you're on the same page for this. So go to autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 50 and sign up for the free resource library if you're not already a member that signs you up for my newsletter, which gives you a lot of other freebies. It also has a ton of freebies in the library and you can grab this free digital set of documents. So my second way that you can get data at a distance is to use tests. Now, if you're an educator, you probably call it a test. If you're a behavior analyst, you might call it a probe. Either way, they're just a way of checking on progress through observing the student without assistance or with only assistance that you have specified, and then measuring their performance. Tests are an easy way to regularly monitor progress. And of course, it's the way that most general education settings are using because it's the easiest way to do it. You can do tests or probes during video conferencing time as a way to regularly monitor the progress. So some tips for using tasks, these are just a couple of thoughts. First, talk to the parents about how to best support their student during a test. As I noted earlier, parents may have a difficult time watching their child struggle with tasks and they may be eager to jump in. Part of distance learning with families as facilitators is going to have to include training and coaching for them from you to resist that impulse because it's hard for all of us. I have a whole workshop on coaching parents and distance learning in the Special Educator Academy, and I could spend all day just talking about that, but I won't take that time now. 
But you do want to make sure that you're having these conversations with the families before you do the testing and considering ha- you might consider having them not help them initially, but then as the student can't do the task, let them help. So tell them, I want to see first what he can do by himself, and then I'm going to let you help them. So they know that they're not, we're not just going to let the kid fail. You can use the test to directly observe the skill and take your data. Probes don't have to be like a formal test that you create for the student. It could just be a brief instructional session that you complete once a week with the student and you tell the facilitator it's a test that's going to make the most sense to them. That way they know not to help and you get regular data. You could also use benchmark testing like and content testing from formal curricula like the unique learning system, which has benchmarks that you can use. My third way that you can take data at a distance to monitor progress is that you can use rubrics or rating scales. Families are not likely to have the time and the energy to take the more intensive data that we use in the classroom. And not everything that you need data on is going to be available to observe in a video conference. So there are going to be times when you need some overall assessment of the student's behavior, their social performance, or executive functioning in completing work independently. And that may be data that's really more qualitative than quantitative. So you may want to use rubrics and ratings, and I've talked about them in previous blog posts, and I will link them in the show no- in the links that you can get to from the show notes here. Um, we want to take those ratings and rubrics and simplify them from what we might use in our classroom. So to simplify them, you can do something similar to what I've talked about with the work product data above. We could use lay terms to describe levels of help that's provided. So we might have a rating scale that looks like zero is no success even when they had help. A one is he needed hand over hand or you gave him most of the answers. Two is you gave him just a few answers or clarifying questions or some hand over hand help. Three is he needed reminders to stay on task or help with one to two items. And four is he was independent success, didn't need any help at all. Um, And this is actually one that's on a rubric from the Special Educator Academy from our training there. You want to make sure to have the facilitator, the parent, whoever the person is that's facilitating education and home instruction, complete a rubric on a regular basis. It might be daily, it might be weekly, but try to build a routine that helps them remember the day that they complete it. So it might be something that you put in your lesson plans you send home to be done every Wednesday or every Friday. And don't, because don't forget that all of us will need reminders. And with everything that's going on, I think parents are going to need more reminders. So the more that we can give them their lesson plans in writing that they can follow up easily is going to make a difference. So let's recap three tools that you can use to monitor progress in distance learning. Monitoring work product using a checkoff form completed by the facilitator is a really quick and easy way to get information about what type of help the student is needing for their asynchronous work when you're not watching. And don't forget to grab your free PowerPoint and Google Slide tool for that at autismclassroomresources.com episode 50. Tests are a second tool that you can use regularly to keep an eye on how a student is progressing in particular skills. Some may be ready-made for you as part of a curriculum, and some can be more informal observations during your video conference time. And finally, consider using rubrics and rating scales with simplified 
rubrics and responses that the families can use to monitor behavior, social skills, and other qualitative measurements. You could even use them in checklists for skills that the student, that the family needs to integrate into their routine. So examples of those skills might be life skills, activities that are done at home, independence at completing work, or greeting a family member in the morning, things that they just check off that were done. All of the tools that I've talked about in the episode uh, have been modeled on the types of tools that you'll find in my instructional data sheet set. The data sheets in that set are editable in PowerPoint to add your own steps and personal information. You can't change the structure of the sheets, but there's a lot of options for each one that's available. So I'll make sure those links are in the blog post as well. And we have a whole course on taming the data monster in the Special Educator Academy. Plus, we have a workshop specifically on monitoring progress in distance learning with tools to implement it. So they have a whole set of data sheets already adapted. If you've ever struggled with the rapidly changing world of education these days, that's kind of an understatement, or felt like you just needed more support or ideas, come join us in the Special Educator Academy with a seven-day free trial at specialeducatoracademy.com. I would love to know some of the things that you are struggling with or being successful with in your data collection in distance learning or in our crazy classrooms at this time. If you're an educator, hop over to our free Facebook group at specialeducatorsconnection.com. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I want you to know that you are doing a world of good for your students with everything that you are putting into it. And please do not forget to take care of yourself at this time. I know it's really stressful for families and for teachers and for students. So just give yourself some grace that you would give to other people and take care of yourself. Thank you so much for taking this time with me, and I hope you'll come back next week for another episode of the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. Mm-hmm.